You may be seated. God, I love that song. Don't you love that song? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I want to say hello. Did our Columbia crew make it up here? Yeah. yeah. This, is our, this is our campus at Columbia. They meet in a house. And uh, I actually met somebody in the first-timer area. They said they just got connected with you guys. And, but they said they wanted to beat y'all up here, so they came this morning. And uh, I think they just wanted to make sure they got their hoodie. That's what it was. Um, Christmas, Christmas season is upon us, and so I'm just kind of curious how many people have already, uh, ha- have already done some Christmas shopping. You already done a little Christmas shopping? Oh, wow. Okay, we've got some shoppers. Um, how many people actually love Christmas shopping? Okay. Not that many. How many would rather wake up in the morning with your head sewn to the carpet than go Christmas shopping? Okay, yeah, that, me, me too, me too. Um, if you're wondering what to get me, I, I don't want much. Here's my Amazon list. I'm just kidding. We don't, I, I will put one out though, because I can. I, uh, this is what I know about every family, and it's true about every family. It doesn't matter at what type of, it doesn't matter ethnicity, it doesn't matter rich, it doesn't matter poor. This is true of every family. Geographically, this works. Every family has that one person in the family that gets horrible gifts for people. They do. Their gifts suck. They, they, they really do. They, they give you this gift, and you're like, oh, wow, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Now, this is where some people with compassion go, oh, but Pastor P, it's, it's not the gift. It's the thought that counts. And I'm like, quit thinking. Quit thinking. You can't think, obviously. Now, if you are sitting there thinking, I don't know who that person is in my family, you're the per- you need to stop getting horrible gifts. I'm right. I'm right. Am I right so far? And then you got the person in your family that they get great gifts. In fact, if you, if you do that name drawing thing, you do, you do that name drawing, we're not getting gifts for everybody, we're just going to draw names. But if that person gets your name, you're like, oh, snap, I'm getting the hookup because they get great gifts. Well, since this is Christmas and we're talking about Jesus, one of the things I want to just bring to our attention, because I think, I know I forget this sometimes, is Jesus doesn't give bad gifts. And one of the gifts that he has given us, one of the gifts that he has given us as individuals and as a group is this thing called the church. The church, did you know that the church is a gift? Oh God, I'm by myself on this one. Okay, I'm gonna ask that again. This is, for those of you that are not familiar with our style, we do call and response. It's okay to say amen, praise the Lord, bring it, shuck the corn, shell the peas. You can do better than that. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but just something. So, so let me try that again. The church is a gift. Little, little much, but, but, but we'll, get, we'll get that balance in just a second. Jesus was in, in a northern part of Israel called Caesarea Philippi. It's above the Sea of Galilee, and he's with his disciples. And he made this statement. He said, he said and I will build my church. He said, I will build my church. In other words, he's placing an emphasis on the church belonging to him, which is why we do not have the option to say, I love Jesus but I don't love church. That's not an option to love Jesus, but call his bride ugly. Now, this is where some people push back and they go, well, Pastor P, you don't understand. I've had a bad church experience. And I would say, of course you have. If you've attended a church for more than two weeks, you've had a bad church experience. Hey, if you don't think, listen, come on staff for a week. We will show you bad church experience. Nobody calls our staff when their life is complete. Nobody calls and says, hey, listen, I just want to let you know I'm being faithful to my wife. I'm not looking at porn. Um, I'm going to work every day, and uh, I'm going to start tithing 20% because we would have that person drug tested because that, that's a legitimate problem right there. Of course you've had a – I talked to one lady one time, and she's like, I'm never going back to church. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what happened? She, I'm not making this up. She said, well, there, there was this woman, and she gave me a dirty look. Oh, that's it? Like she gave you a dirty look? Yeah, she just looked at me funny. I said, what do you mean looked at you funny? She just looked at me and she was like, mm. I said, well, maybe she had gas. I don't know. I mean, like <laughs> men just let, let that stuff go, but women hold that in sometimes. So you got to, I don't know. Another person said, well, a bunch of people went out to eat one time and they just, they didn't include me and, and the church is full of clicks. I'm like, of course the church is full of clicks because certain people get with certain people. Maybe they forgot you. Maybe they didn't know you wanted to go. Maybe every time you go, you mooch and you make one of them pay for your meal. I don't know. But of course, you. in fact, if you've never been hurt at church, 
hang out here for a week or two, you'll get hurt because we are a group of broken, busted up, messed up people. If you're looking, listen, the only reason I can say that is because I'm the most broken, busted up, messed up person in the room. I know that for a fact. I'm not saying that. This is not a humble brag. Trust me. If you knew the things about me that I know about me, you would get a restraining order on me. (laughs) But while we're being honest, if I knew all the stuff about you that you haven't told anybody, in fact, you try to hide it and fake it, If I knew all that stuff, I would probably get a restraining order on you. So we're all amongst friends tonight, right? Because at the end of the day, you can say all the bad stuff about the church and sure the church has done some not so good stuff and all of us have probably been hurt by the church and some of us have even participated in church hurt with other people, but at the end of the day, There's nothing on the planet that has the potential to change the world like the local church. When the local church is working right, lost people get found, found people get grown up, excluded becomes included, and and people find healing and hope and peace in this man named Jesus if a church is faithful to preach the gospel. And so I figured tonight, let's just talk for a, a couple minutes on the gift of the church that Jesus gave us. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through the acrostic, C-H-U-R-C-H, for those of you note takers in the room, and, uh, and just kind of look at about six characteristics about the church that I think really stand out and really should matter to us. So here we go. Letter C stands for crowds. Um, several years ago, I had a group of friends ask me to come to Greenville to, to meet them for lunch, and I was down. I was like, I'm, I'm in. Where are we going to go? And I honestly don't remember the name of the restaurant. I don't remember. It wasn't remarkable. It was decent food. But I do remember the name of the restaurant that I drove by on my way to the restaurant where we were going. The reason I remember this restaurant is because there were people lined out the door and down the block. And I was, I, I was like, I've never seen this before. The name of the restaurant was Biscuit Head. Has anybody ever eaten a biscuit head? Are the biscuits good? No. No? Because I love biscuits. I love big biscuits and I cannot lie. Other brothers can't deny. They make me say, ooh, me so hungry. Anyway, I just, oh, 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 oh. Y'all going to hell for knowing that cultural reference. Anyway. I was like, this is, this is what I know about Biscuit Head, contrary to what I just heard. This is what I know about Biscuit Head. At, at one time, at least, fair, at one time, their biscuits had to have been good because you don't line up out the door and down the block. They, no, nobody, I didn't drive by that, that restaurant and go, oh, they probably make bad biscuits. When you, when you see, a, if you go to a crowded concert, if you go to a concert and the concert is crowded, you may not know anything about the artist that's about to perform, but if there's a crowd in the room, you know, this is about to be really good. You, you want to see a, a real live study tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Just go out on Clemson Boulevard. There's two restaurants right next to each other, right over here. Chick-fil-A and Hardee's. I have never, ever in my life, I'm 52 years old, ask somebody, where do you want to go eat? Hardy's, man. All right, I'm going to get some of that Hardy's stuff. You, you look at Chick-fil-A, and now nobody looks at Chick-fil-A and say, says they must be doing something wrong. They must be doing Hardy's. The, the, every French fry in Hardy's knows every French fry in Hardy's. Look at Chick-fil-A. How can you? But by the way, side note, I think Chick-fil-A, the people that organized it, they should all go, also organize the uh, DMV. And, and the voting in America. I think you should have a pleasurable experience, right? My pleasure. I, I'm just saying that typically when you see a crowd, you know that something's good. But for some reason, when you see a crowd, 
at church, people go, oh, they must be doing something wrong. Like, because if a bunch of people show up to talk about Jesus, to worship Jesus, a lot of people get saved, a lot of people get baptized, people go, oh, that's a cult. Why is it that when a restaurant is crowded, it's good, when a church is crowded, it, it, doesn't that feel a little bit spiritual to you? I, I don't know about you, but I think more people meeting Jesus is a good thing, which is why, which is why I got to be real honest with y'all. If you gave me a choice, my choice, okay, and you sat me down and you said, you, you get to choose, and nobody else's opinion matters, including God's, you choose. You be selfish in this moment, and you choose. And you can have second chance like it is right now, or you can grow. Personally, and I've never said this in over 30 years of ministry, personally, I keep it like it is. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's easy. I know people. I know where you sit. I know when you're at church and when you're not at church. I'll see you in, I was like, I didn't see you at church. How'd you know? <sighs> Seventh row, fifth seat in every Sunday. <laughs> and, and I know what comes with growth. I know what comes with growth. The bigger the church, the bigger the shots, the bigger the criticism. It's, I, I know what comes with it. And selfishly, man, I would just, I, I, I like peace in my life. But God has this way of doing things that take us out of our comfort zone. And I've been wrestling with him over this for about, well, actually, I didn't even want to start the church. So I, this whole thing, I've been kicking and screaming. But recently, he took me back and showed me something that he showed me about 15 years ago. I saw it for the first time 15 years ago. And I hadn't shared this in 15 years. And isn't it cool how sometimes God will show you something new, but then sometimes God will show you something he showed you before just to remind you of something? And so I went back to the book of Acts, and he showed me, he showed me this thing. When you're reading the Bible and you see a certain word appear over and over and over again, that's not an accident. So there was this word that kept showing up, that kept appearing, and I couldn't get past it. So when I'm wrestling with the Lord about what's our next step as a church, he happens to take me back to what I'm about to share with you. And this is going to require some audience participation. Now, if you're charismatic, you're excited. If you're Episcopal, you're nervous. But we'll all get on the same page in just a second, all right? In Acts chapter 2, verse 41 the church had about 120 people in it, and it was small. It was, it was real cool. Like um, Mary led the women's ministry since she was the mother of Jesus. Um, Peter probably led the recovery ministry because he recovered from everything, right? And there's 120 people, and everybody knew everybody. But then Peter went out and messed it up because he preached about Jesus. And the Bible says those who accepted his message were baptized. Hmm. Anybody ne next up? Just right there in the Bible, just want to throw that out there. Somebody like, I just need to know that God wants me to get right there in the scripture. That's funny. And about 3,000? Oh, that's going to mess up our seating arrangement. I said, whoa, that's a lot of people. We're added to their number that day. Now, the, the word that stuck out to me is number because numbers matter. Now, we know numbers matter we just want to sound super spiritual sometimes. Oh, it's not about the numbers showing up. Let, okay, take that same logic and apply it to your 401k. <laughs> if, you, if you've lost 50% of value, don't get mad. Just be glad that every dollar knows every dollar. <laughs> See, it matters to us because it's money, but Jesus didn't die for money. He died for people. Amen. And people matter. So... This is what we're about to do. I'm going to read through several verses in the book of Acts. And every time we get to this word, number, and our creative team 
put it in red so we could, we could like see it. If you're colorblind, I'm sorry, red's one of the colors you can't see. But when we, get to the, when we get to the word number, I just want you to say it out loud. And, and say it out loud like you would not at a church service, but at a football game. We good? Let's try it on this first verse. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their... Oh, that's good. That's good. That day. And then you go on to the, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 4. But many who heard the message believed, so the of men who believed grew to about 5,000. If you believe, they believed in men and women at that time. We'll get into that later. It's kind of crazy. Um, Acts 5.14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their... Let's keep going. Acts 6, verse 1. In those days when the of disciples was increasing, just a few verses later in verse 7, so the word of God spread the of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large... A priest, we got preachers getting saved. This is crazy. Became obedient to the faith. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in, oh, y'all getting weak on me. We got to get a little bit stronger. Here we go. The Lord's hand was with them and a great, oh, that was awesome. A people believed and turned to the Lord and a great, of people were brought to the Lord in Acts 14, 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large of disciples in Acts 16, 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in. Do you see a pattern? Numbers matter to people, matter to God. Therefore, they should matter to the church because at the end of the day, I'll say it again, I think more people meeting Jesus is better. I think more people putting Jesus at the center of their life is better. And no matter what it takes, we're gonna do whatever it takes to reach as many people as we can, which is why, which is why, and whoo, I've been waiting to announce this. We've been working on this for over a year, but as of Friday, we finally got a contract on eight acres in Greenville, South Carolina, and we are gonna build a campus, and we are gonna start a second chance campus in Greenville. If we're gonna, if we're gonna celebrate, let's celebrate. Now, You can be seated. I, only half the room stood up and cheered, and the other half are like, I don't know about that video stuff. You're looking at me on a screen right now. <laughs> somebody asked me, somebody asked me, they said this morning, they said, so we're going to build a church over there, so I guess you'll be moving to Greenville. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, nothing against Greenville. But, but if I get stuck in traffic on Clemson Boulevard, it takes me backwards in my walk with Jesus. <laughs> Pelham Road might cause me to lose my salvation. I don't even believe you can. So I'm just, we, we don't have any details other than we got a contract. We're in a due diligence period, but we've been waiting on it for a while. And God made it abundantly clear. And when God says go, you go. We're going we're gonna to see more people and more people and more people give their lives to Christ. Amen. That's what we're about. Well, A stands for help, and we all need help. Every single person in this room needs help. You need help. Look at the person next to you. God, they need some help. <laughs> A few years ago, I didn't say tell them about the help they need, my God. That was just... <laughs> A couple years ago, I had a a treadmill delivered to my house and the guy delivered it and he, you know, him and his guys were kind of like bringing it in. They said, what you want us to do with this? I said, just put it right there. They said, where are you going to put it? I said, I'm going to put it upstairs in my, in my bonus room. They said, you want, you want us to put it up there? I said, no, no. I said, I got it. He said, you got it? I said, yeah, I got it. He looked at me and he said, you. <laughs> and made me mad. I said, yeah, me. And he went, Okay. And I watched him walk away. I was like, you don't think I can get this treadmill? So I made a phone call, came back, grabbed the box because I was going to move it upstairs. I grabbed the box and tried to move it. 
<laughs> for 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, I'm, I moved it a foot, I think, and I'm, I am not happy. I'm, I had to do something I don't like to do. I had to ask for help. All of us in this room need help because we live in, listen, we live in a world that has lost its mind and we all need help. We, we need help from God and we need help from others. And we need, to, we need to quit blaming. Like this week, I don't know if you got that friend. I don't know if you got that friend that when they leave you a voicemail, it's 10 minutes long. I got one this week. I'm not, 10, it was longer than 10 minutes, being very honest. And the key word in this voicemail was triggered. Triggered, 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 triggered. Now, let me tell you how I feel about the word triggered. I first learned the word triggered in rehab so I can make fun of it because I went through rehab. And you know what I've discovered in the church? A lot of people say they're triggered when they're actually convicted. But we use the word triggered to throw it off on somebody else so that we don't actually have to deal with it and ask for help. We can't become fully devoted followers of Jesus without asking God for help and others for help. One of the best examples we see of this is Peter. He's in a boat with the disciples. They're out in the middle of the storm. Everything's going crazy all around him. And they look, and there's just Jesus walking on the water. And Peter's like, oh, snap. If it's you, that, this doesn't say that in your translation. I'm just riffing here. He says, oh, snap, it's Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And, and Peter don't get a lot of credit for this. We always pick on him, but watch this. Um, so Peter went over the side of the boat. That, that's, le, that's called desperate. Because there was a storm all around him, but the bigger storm was inside him because he thought he was going to die. And so he goes over the side of the boat and watches and walked on the water towards Jesus. He's the only disciple that did it. All the other disciples are like, I oh, man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But watch this. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. When he saw the wind and waves, when he saw the wind. So in order, don't miss this, in order to see the wind and waves, he had to take his eyes off of Jesus. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we will sink every single time. Somebody in this room tonight is sinking and it's not because you're a horrible, terrible person. You've just taken your eyes off Jesus. We live in a world where it's really easy to do that. And so I love the fact he just said, save me, Lord. He didn't say, I, I'll never do this again. I, he didn't start making all these promises. He, he's freaking out because you see the exclamation point. Save me, Lord. He shouted and watch this. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. See, a lot of people get mad at God saying, God, how could you let me get in this situation when God's going, all you got to do is ask me to, all you got to do is ask for help. Somebody tonight, you need to ask God for help. I'm going to say this because in the past three months, this is, I've heard at least five times, I was going over it this morning, at least five times, specifically men, um, somewhere between the ages of 30 and, and 60, at least five men I've heard or I know of have taken their own life. I just want to speak to people in the room tonight or watching online that that's been something that you've thought about recently. I want to tell you, I want to tell you tonight, it's no accident that you're here, that God loves you, God has a plan for your life, and yes, it's dark right now. But on the other side of that darkness is a life and a light that you could never imagine. And God can bring you through if you'll just be brave enough to ask for help. Which leads to understanding. C-H-U, understanding. Understanding. It's, it's let me just say this. There's an argument right now, and 
I, sometimes I get caught up in it, sometimes I don't. But I'm not afraid to have the conversation where people go, women can become men and men can become women. Let me put, I, I, this, we did not sell out to the woke agenda as a church. We are not praying to be woke. We're praying for God to awaken us with the power of his Holy Spirit. And the churches that have gone woke are losing people in droves because the social gospel cannot anchor our souls to something like Jesus. And so um, it, I'm, I am not woke. But hold on. I can prove to you that men can't become women and women can't become men. And we don't even have to talk about any science or anything. It comes down to word count. <laughs> women use way more words than men. And men, you could never talk enough to be a woman. And women, you couldn't be, okay, I, just, I will just kind of leave it there. So, and so wouldn't it be neat if like a husband and wife are texting each other and there was an app that translated it translated man to woman and woman to man. I saw this recently and I ripped it off and I'm, I'm, I changed things up a little bit. But let's say your wife leaves the house and she goes out and she's gonna buy some ice cream. You're the husband and you're sitting at home and she sends you a text just to let you know what's going on. And it looks like this. I know I said I was going to be 20 minutes, but I'm going to be like an hour because here's what happened. I went to Publix because I wanted to get some dairy-free ice cream because you know what dairy does to my tummy. But all the dairy-free ice cream they had there was gone. And I was like, oh my God, it's raining and my hair is going to be so messed up. So then I had to drive to Ingalls and I finally found the ice cream I wanted, but it was all the way on the top shelf. And this really kind guy who worked there helped me. So I, then I was in a long line and there was this sweet little lady who said, I love your Carrie Underwood t-shirt. And I was like, shut up. Do you like Carrie Underwood? And she said, she's the absolute best. And then we talked about her forever. And I feel like I have a new friend and I'm so happy because this is like the perfect day to make a new friend and eat ice cream. <laughs> so she puts that in the app and you're the husband and, and you, you check your phone and this is what it says, bought ice cream. But wait, you got a reply. But you don't speak woman, but the app does it for you. So this is what you put in. Cool. <laughs> but when she gets it, it says, ice cream is so wonderful. And in fact, you mentioning ice cream makes me think that you and I should go on an ice cream date and talk all day long about how much we love and miss each other and be so happy. And I would love to keep texting, but my battery on my phone is as empty as my heart when I'm not with you. Some of y'all need to write down that last line and use it. I mean, that's good stuff. I think, I think church makes it too complicated sometimes. I think I've been in church services before and so have you that when you leave, you don't have a clue what was being talked about. You don't have a clue. And this is, let me, let me tell you how you can know you don't have a clue what was spoken about. Because as you're leaving, you turn to the person you came with and you went, that's deep. <laughs> deep means I don't have a freaking idea what they just said, so that's deep. And listen, I could go deep. I could use, the, listen, I could use theological words and, and wow you with theological. I've got, I, I know some stuff, but at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, a, a guy came up to me a week or two ago, right back here, and he said, you know why I like you? I said, no, sir, why don't you tell me? He said, because I'm dumb as a rock, but I can understand you. <laughs> My people. <laughs> I, I think we make it too complicated. God said to us in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, we use these verses often. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. In other words, God has his plans, and we have our plans. Okay, well, what about that? Verse 9, he clarifies. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, what if we just simplified it to God is good, God's plans are good, 
God's plans for my life are good. God's plans for my life are better than my plans for my life. That, it's that simple. Every single person in this room, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's so good if you'll just say yes to that next step. Which leads to the, to the next one, um, ready. Ready. I, I've transitioned in my football love recently. I, I used to just really love college football, and I still love college football. College football is great. I'm more of a high school football guy now. Um, or, or, yeah. Any Westside guys here tonight? Any? Okay, yeah, raise your hand. They, they won Upper State Championship. About gave me a heart attack. But, but college football games, like if you've been to a Clemson game, whether you're a Clemson fan or not, you got to admit, them, like when they like run down the hill and they rub the rock, and that, that's pretty cool, right? Or you went to a South Carolina game, I was watching on TV, um, they started playing Sandstorm and y'all started waving the surrender flags right from the beginning. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, why are they giving up? That stadium was rocking and it was ready. <laughs> then y'all got beat. But uh, what, 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 I'm, what would happen? What would happen? What would happen if we, if we showed up at church ready for God to do something in our lives? I'm, God, I'm ready. Now, that next step that Jesus wants us to take, that it comes with tension. Like, there's so much tension. In fact, there's so much tension. If you feel like there's tension, I want you, I want you to feel a little bit better about your situation because Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's crucified, and he's on his knees, and the Bible says he's, playing, he's praying so hard, he's experiencing a medical condition called hematidrosis, which, he, which means he's literally sweating drops of blood. And this is what he says. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. In other words, he goes, God, if there's any other way. But then he finishes it with that famous phrase, yet... I want your will to be done, not mine. And I'm just curious, what could happen if this room tonight just said, God, I want your will to be done in my life, not mine. That would change the world. What would happen if we just prayed that prayer every morning for a week? That could change the world. What, what if we showed up ready? Now, what happens, the pushback I get here is people go, Pastor P, you don't know my past. You don't know how messed up I am. You don't know how messed up I have it. You don't know all the stuff I've done. I'm like, that's okay. Have you, have you really read about the people in the Bible that we call our heroes? They were so messed up. Most of them couldn't, couldn't even get hired on a staff. I mean, this staff they could, but like most staff, I mean, they, they just couldn't get hired on staff. So I, I kind of made a list, and you won't find this exact list on the, on the internets, but, but I, I made this, I, I put some second chance language in it so we could understand it. Um, but let's just look at some of our Bible heroes and, and how, how jacked up they were. Um, Noah was a drunk. I put that first. Let me talk about that for a second. Um, the, we don't teach our kids. We teach our kids about Noah's art. We don't teach our kids about Noah's tent. He planted a vineyard, drank the wine, got drunk and naked, passed out in his tent. He got drunk and naked, passed out in his tent. I got drunk, kept my clothes on, got fired. But he gets drunk and naked, get passed out in the tent. He's a Bible hero, I'm just saying. I had a lady get mad the last time I said that. She said, can't say that. I was offended. I'm like, I'm making fun of me, woman. Did you get triggered? Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Noah was a drunk. Peter was a cusser. Joseph was abused. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Jonah ran from God. 
Paul was a murderer. Thomas was a doubter. Rahab was a hoe. Abraham was old and Lazarus was dead. And God used them all for his glory. And I'm just saying, if God can use these people, God can use these people. Which stand, wrapping up, letter C stands for courageous. And everybody in this room, everybody in this room has fears. Everybody. How many of you are uh, scared of heights? Scared of heights? Yeah, me too. Uh, spiders, snakes, public speaking. Come up here for a minute. I'm just kidding. I'm just. <laughs> I'm scared of clowns. I, y'all, I'm, I'm, some ain't right about a clown. I went. I never will forget, I went to this church one time and they had a clown ministry. I was like, this is demonic, satanic. I, I wasn't even charismatic and I started like casting out demons. It was crazy. Something ain't right about a clown, y'all. Something ain't right about a clown. Y'all start sending me it memes and I'm gonna block all y'all. Courageous. When we take our next step in our walk with Jesus, it's going to take Courage. It's, it's gonna take a lot of courage. And what would happen if we began to understand, one of the first verses I memorized as a Christian is found in Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Joshua is about to lead the, the children of Israel into the promised land. And God tells him this, he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, which is good. Unless you don't want him with you sometimes. So every week, every week for the past four weeks, I've made a game prediction on social media about the Clemson game. And nobody had a problem with it when I predicted the win over Notre Dame. And nobody had a problem with it when I predicted the win over Georgia Tech. And nobody had a problem with it when I predicted the win over North Carolina. But on Thursday, (laughs) when I predicted the win... Over South Carolina. There's some mean people in this world. And they were on my Facebook page. Now, I'm not going to tell y'all which one. I didn't, I'm not going to tell you his name was Kurt. I'm just going to say, it's not his name. But there was one comment in particular. I'm pretty sure I deleted it. That when, when I saw it, when I saw it, I responded. And this was my response. I'm not going to tell you what he said, but this was my, it was more of an invitation. I would love for you to visit Second Chance this coming Sunday and say that to my face. <laughs> Rise, I'm about to hit sin, right? Have you been there? You're about to hit sin? And the Holy Spirit, I don't know how he talks to you, but this is how he talks to me. He went, <clears throat> that a problem? It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Sometimes courage is backing off of what you thought you needed to do so God can do what he needs to do, right? It's, some people are like, I don't think I could have done that. Oh, you could have. When, when God begins to work in and through you, see, we've had the wrong message in the church for years. We've been telling people what they can't do. You can't do this. I went to a Southern Baptist church and I'm grateful for my Southern Baptist heritage. I'm grateful for the the doctrine and the theology they taught me, but I remember being told what I can't do. You can't smoke and right there, I'm I'm out, I'm in trouble because your boy will burn a cigar down in a heartbeat and not, I don't want to go to a church where a pastor smokes. Listen, if cigar smoking will run you off, then you need to go now because there's way more dirt on this boy than cigar smoking. I'm just saying. I love a cigar. Anybody love a good cigar? Yeah, we, we all go to hell. That's great. So, um, can't smoke, can't drink. It was so funny. All, all, the, all the deacons were saying, you can't drink. And I'm like, I went to your house and opened the door, refrigerator door, and there was beer in there, and I don't think it's for your dog, right? That's the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist is a Baptist won't wave at you in a liquor store. Um, can't dance I remember being told you couldn't dance which was weird for me because every time I read about in the Bible David was like dancing everywhere 
But I remember in my freshman year in college, or sophomore year, I'm sorry, I learned how to do the electric slide. And I'm so thankful for the electric slide because if it wasn't for dances like that, white people couldn't dance. <laughs> and I still remember it. I, I kind of learned it, how to go back and forth and do the two thing. And you rock back like that. And you lean and, uh, and you do the kick thing. And you got to do it. In, you got to do it. Inside. I could do it. And I could rock an electric slide. And once I learned it, I was like, I got this youth group in Pickens, South Carolina. I'm going to teach my youth group, a bunch of white kids in Pickens, South Carolina, how to do the electric slide. So I'm teaching them how to do the electric slide. And there's a Bible study behind it about the harmony. And when we're all in harmony and walking with Jesus, how it's beautiful. And we're all down and we're doing the electric slide and it's going great. And then the chairman of deacons came downstairs and he looked at me and he said, you can't dance. And I was like, actually, we can. You can't dance. Come over here and we'll teach you the electric slide. I didn't know. And I got to go to my first deacons meeting. <laughs> Whew, they were pissed. But I'm just saying that. We, we, tell, people, we tell people what they can't do. And, and no, I can't live up to the expectations of others and neither can you. What if we switch the message from I can't to I can and this is, this is where somebody goes, oh, so we're just getting into positive, positive motivation. Well, I know it's just something I read in the Bible. Philippians 4.13 said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. If Christ gives me strength, I can. If, if Christ gives me strength, I can overcome anxiety. If Christ gives me strength, I can overcome depression. If Christ gives me strength, I can overcome addiction. I can break the chains of shame that have held me for way too long. I can walk in victory. I can make a difference. What if that was our message? That could make a difference. Which leads me to the last letter. Some of you are like, dear God, thank you. Got my hoodie. I was trying to think of a way to get out of here. Letter A stands for hope. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you all a different story than I told 915 this morning. I, I told a different one at 11 o'clock. Um, I don't talk about this a lot. In fact, this morning was the first time I had talked about it in 15, 20 years. And the reason I don't talk about it, oh, it's just so, oh, give me a minute. I've personally had three near-death experiences. And when I say near-death, I'm not saying I was standing somewhere and then five minutes later a car went by. I'm talking I was seconds away from leaving this earth. And in 2004, 2005, I had some outpatient surgery done. It was supposed to be a very minor deal. I didn't even have to stay in the hospital. They sent me home. I was a lot of pain, and they just gave me extra pain meds, and none of it was helping Come to find out, I got a really rare blood disorder. I don't, I, and so, and I don't, they sewed me up and they expected me to clot and I was bleeding to death internally. And I never forget, you know, I won't go through the whole story, but I wound up in my living room floor on my back and, and 911 was called and our, I was in and out of consciousness. If you've ever lost consciousness, you're in and out of consciousness. And I remember the guy that showed up, the EMT, put an oxygen mask, I remember it coming down on my face. And when this happened, I want, this is exactly how it happened. Everything went white. And when I say white, it was the brightest light I've ever seen. Mm. It's, it's, oh, it was amazing. And I had three thoughts in a row. My first thought was, I'm dead. I've literally just died. My second thought was, I'm about to see Jesus. And my third thought was, this is the most awesome thing that's ever happened to me. And then I woke up in the ER at AnMed. Talk about a... <laughs> talk about a downer. 
here's why I'm sharing that story with you. I'm sharing that story to let you know that the reason I had so much peace in that moment has nothing to do with my morality or me being a good person. It has everything to do with this man named Jesus. When he says peace that passes all understanding, he means it. See, there's a man named Jesus. We celebrate him this time of year because he was born of a virgin. His life began as a miracle. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He was crucified on a cross to pay for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he came back to life. And he said, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. And when I'm done preparing this place, I will come back and get you. But while I'm gone, I'm gonna leave you a present. In Luke's gospel, he said, I'm going to give you power from heaven. We also refer to, the, to what he gave us as the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The same spirit that brought Jesus from the dead lives in you if you are in Christ. That's why we can know we have a purpose and a mission on this earth. That's why we know that God has a next step for us. That's how we can know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's how we can be ready to take that next step. That's how we can have the courage and the strength to reach out and ask for help. And that's why we can be a part of a church that's willing to do whatever it takes to reach as many people as we can. That's... Church is a gift. Church is a gift. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I want to, I just want to thank you for the church all over the world. On every continent today, churches gathered. They gathered together in cathedrals. They gathered together under trees. They gathered together underground in places where they're not allowed to gather. And we all had the same purpose to put our eyes and our focus, Jesus, on you, King of kings and Lord of lords. And tonight I wanna pray for every single one of us in this room, God, that before we come to you with our request, that we could just be reminded of what we are personally thankful for. That time you helped us, that time you gave us that courage, that time you gave us that strength, that time you gave us that idea, that thought, that desire, that passion, that peace that we just didn't even know was possible. May we think about that. May we praise your name for it. And may we be ready to take our next step. Jesus, we just wanna thank you tonight. God, that you, you, are, you are in this place and your presence is just so real. Right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know what God said to you tonight, but maybe you need to ask for help. Maybe you just need to say, Jesus, I need your help. I'm tired of fighting this on my own. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you or for you and you can step out of your aisle at any point and walk out the back, the exit doors. We have care team members that would love to pray with you and for you because you're like, I can't handle this on my own. Hey, it takes courage to admit that. Maybe you know what your next step is. Maybe it's, maybe it's baptism and you've been procrastinating and putting it off and tonight you know you can't put that off any longer. And maybe, just maybe, it's praying to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. You've never became a Christian. You've never given your life to Christ. And tonight, you know that's what you need to do. You, you need a relationship with Jesus so you can know your sins are forgiven. You are made brand new and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you who will empower you to do things that will blow your mind. And if you're here tonight and you're like, yes, that's what I need, then I'm gonna invite you right where you stand to pray and receive Christ. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to pray and receive Christ. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer and you just repeat it back out loud. We, do, we don't do it silently here at Second Chance, we do it out loud. But listen, not alone because everybody in our Second Chance family, 
We're going to pray this out loud with you so you will know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus, but you're supported by every single person in this room. So if you're here tonight and you know you need to pray to receive Christ, you need to, you need to give your life to Christ or you need to come back to Christ, I want you to pray this with me. And Second Chance family, let's pray it with them out loud. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ to come into your life, you just made the best decision you could ever make. And I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. So do me a favor before we leave tonight, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand up and raise it high saying, Pastor Pete, I just prayed that prayer now, amen. Amen, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Keep them up, I wanna see them all over the room. There are hands all over the room, so I'm looking to make sure I see because I wanna make sure I see every single hand. Keep them up, keep them up. Amen, amen. Wow, all day. Jesus, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus, that you have saved people all day long. I pray for every single person that raised their hand today. They would walk out of this place knowing that you have a purpose for their lives. God, that they're never gonna be the same. And for those of us in the room, God, that know what our next step is, Father, I thank you that we have the courage. You'll give us the courage and the ability to take it. And God, we know we can do it because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? What a night. I love you guys. Y'all have a great weekend and we'll see y'all back next Sunday.